0: been doing a lot of thinking as we go through the book of Galatians. If you have a Bible, we'll be in Galatians chapter 4 at the beginning. You can meet me there. been doing a lot of thinking about some of the things that are important in life, some of the things that matter the most to us, whenever things are happening beyond our control, whether it's in a pandemic season, or whether it's in war, or whatever it is, if it's the loss of a child, or the loss of a spouse, or the loss of a family member, all of us, if we were going to be honest, and would have a one-on-one, we could, every single one of us, give the list of things that are important to us. I just I think about a few of them and, and the ones that immediately come to mind are even uh, muddy water. Because I think depending on where you are, when you're there, what you're going through, your answer to the question, what's most important in your life, and I actually want to put that question on the screen for you. Because I want you to really think about it. I don't want it to just be an intro to the sermon today. I, I want you to actually think about What is the most important thing in your life? You're in church today, so every good Christian's going to say, The most important thing in my life is? Jesus. Yes. A few of you went to Sunday school. I love that. But listen, when you're at work, you're going to be conditioned to give a certain answer, right? Depending on who's around, you're going to answer that question at this moment what is the most important thing? In my life, if you're at school, you're going to answer that question differently than you would at home. If you're a parent, you may answer that question differently. If you are Joe Biden, the President of the United States of America, you will likely answer that question differently. If you are the President of Ukraine you are going to answer that question, and we're seeing that even in live time. Him answering that question differently than you and I would at this moment. If you were the president of Russia right now, you'd give a different answer. And the reason is because life is more complicated than we often admit that it is. We hide behind these facades of having it together... And frankly, most of you do on the outside, right? But it does not take but a moment, a phone call, an email, a text, a TV story, a Instagram post, a anything to snatch that away from you. Because what is the devil after? He's out to seek and kill and destroy, And that's just not a theory, it's a reality. It's a reality that even at this moment is so easy to look around the world and say, yeah, things are not as they should be. But it's also been that way throughout history, hasn't it? It was just a few months ago we were talking about the Middle East and evacuating people out of that country of Afghanistan. And how quickly we have forgotten about the people that are still in Afghanistan and still suffering. And we could go around the world at this moment and talk about the issues that are there. Profound brokenness. Profound brokenness. And what I'm I'm really driving at is the complicated nature in which you answer the question, what is the most important thing? Because some of us, Dare I say, a lot of us, myself included, are prone to not answer that question honestly. And you and I are not doing ourselves any favors by not answering that question honestly. And here's why we don't answer it honestly. You're probably in one of two camps if you're not willing to answer it honestly. Now, some of you have probably been through the ringer over the past few weeks, months, years, and you're willing to answer it honestly. But it was a process to get there. But here's the reality: some of us aren't willing to answer it honestly because we just we're just going to roll in here and give the church answer, right? Oh, Jesus is most important. Does your life look like it though? Right? Because many of the things that Jesus asked in this book of us, whoo, just being real hard what does it look like to lay your life down for the good of others are are we really filtering our life through that lens what does it look like to pick up your cross what's the scripture say daily and follow jesus what's it what's it what's it like to look at every human being that crosses your path without political eyes but with jesus eyes what would change? And I'm just picking on one example. We could, run the, we could run the gamut of the scripture thinking about that. But I really want you to self-reflect as we think through this Lenten season that CR was talking about. What is the most important thing to me? Because for a lot of us it's going to be our kids... And our our life is oriented around that center. For some of us, it's going to be the pursuit of happiness and our life is going to be oriented around that pursuit. For some of us, it's going to be work and entrepreneurial adventure and it's going to be oriented around that. But what the scriptures would call that is idolatry. If we're honest... Because even great things like those, and they are great, if they become God things, they become bad, right? Just at, just at the simplest level. And so we, we have to consider that because the tension here is to answer it from your heart, from your soul, from the seat of your inner being. What is actually the most important thing in my life? Why does that matter so much? Because on the one hand, if you do zoom out, we are relatively insignificant. But why does that matter so much? Look at this verse in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. The Bible says this, above all else. Most important, right? Above all else. (laughs) The most important. Guards your heart. Why? Because everything you do flows from it, Above all else, guard your heart, because everything you do flows from it. Last week we answered this question, what is the most important, from the Bible's perspective. From the New Testament perspective, and the answer to the branding question, what is the promise of Christianity, we simplified down to this statement, there's Jesus for you. That if, you can, that if you can boil it all the way down, like what was the thing, John 3, 16 and 17, that is the promise that comes, the good news that comes through Christianity is that there is Jesus for you. Why is that the most important thing? Why is that the thing that from our heart everything will flow from? Because the Bible is epically clear that he changes Who you are. So we said last week the most important thing is justification. The the legal act by which you're made right with God. The reason that as we look through this Lenten season to Good Friday. And that Jesus had to come and die was to satisfy the wrath of God. So we look to that as the most important doctrine or the most important thing that ever happened. It is the crooks of history. It's the hinge point of history. But it's so important if everything flows from your heart, it's so important because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, right? And that was the end of Galatians chapter 3, right? If you are Christ." 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, "If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. You're new. You're new. Your heart is transformed. You're redeemed." John chapter three verse three. Jesus replied, "Truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again." Right. That was a conversation Jesus was having with Nicodemus, and he's like, Whoa, "What do you mean born again? That didn't make any sense. Do I got to go back in my mom?" You'd think the Bible didn't have any humor in it, right? Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? I'm obviously not going back into my mother as a grown man. Jesus was talking about your heart. He's talking about your soul. He's talking about regenerating who you are from the inside out. And so this was Paul's central concern at the end of Galatians chapter 3, which is what we talked about last week. 329, it says, if you are Christ. And so that was our central concern last week. If you are Christ, there is Jesus for you. I love it. If I could say last week's sermon in one sentence, I would say this. The God who makes the demands, we talked about the law. The God who makes the demands is the same God who meets the demands. Gospel. So law and gospel are his two words, and so he makes those demands, but the law itself doesn't fulfill the demands Jesus had to. And so he did, and so that's where we come to as we enter chapter four, and the, the thing is, is great, now what? I think, I think about it from the perspective of somebody who walks into the courthouse down here. I was on jury duty recently, and so it's like fresh in my brain. But just watching the, the defendant come to the stand and hear not guilty. Some of them having already been in prison for years, right? Not guilty, and you, you walk out of that courtroom different. Different free now what <laughs> think about it put yourself in that place because spiritually speaking that is what happens the old is gone all of its brokenness the new has come free now what 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 comes behind justification, being made right with God. Fantastic. I'm made right with God. Now what? That's where we come in chapter four. So the question is then what is most precious? Think about it. What is most important to be made right with God? Nothing can flow through that without it. I have to be made right with God. But the question that comes behind it is, what is most precious? What is most precious? What changes things? Another way you could ask that is, what is most beautiful? What is most impactful? Galatians chapter 4 begins to round that bend in the road, moving us from just a simple transaction into something of beauty. So look at the end of Galatians 3, verse 29, and then the first few verses of chapter 4, and just listen to the transition that Paul's making. He says this, If you are Christ, right? So we've been establishing that, we've been building that case, we've been talking that through. If you are Christ, here it is, then you are Abraham's offspring, and we spent a lot of time on that last week, so you can catch that on the podcast, heirs according to a promise. So important. Paul's now going to round that corner and explain himself. So you're in, you're his. Now what? I mean the heir. As long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, To redeem those who were under the law. So that, and here it is, right? Here is the corner in the road. Okay? So that, if you have a, a, a paper Bible, I would circle that. It's so important. Okay? Jesus comes, redeems us from the law. Why? What now? So that we might receive, say it with me. Adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our heart, crying, Abba, Father. So, you are no longer a slave, but a son. Then an heir through God. What is the most precious thing In your life. It's one thing to be legally made right. It's an entirely different thing to be made whole. There's a few important things going on here, right? Because when you think about the the categories that Paul's using, he, he talks about being slaves. He talks about us being like slaves, Slaves, those under a guardian, are in a real sense orphans, right? The the juxtaposition here that he's doing is saying you're a slave without a family. You're an orphan. And God has come to make you right, but he's not going to stop there. I love what Jesus says in John chapter 14. Let me show this to you as we talk about this. He's... He's getting ready to leave. He's getting ready to ascend back to heaven. He's getting ready to leave these guys. And you can imagine the emotions of having been with Jesus for years. You're going to watch him die. You're going to watch him rise back to life. And then you're going to watch him ascend into the clouds. Like, put yourself there. And he's going to have the audacity to tell you that it's better for him to go away. <laughs> like, that's insane. Of course, he knew the Holy Spirit was coming, but, it, but it's in, in those emotions that, here, here's what it says. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you for how long? Forever. Remember what we talked about last week? Everlasting life. There's an altogether different category for those of us who are in Christ He'll be with you forever. Who is this? Verse 17. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him. I love this. But you know him because he lives with you and will be in you. And then here it comes. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And so then Paul's saying, you know what Jesus said about not leaving you as orphans and sending the Spirit of Truth, Paul comes back in Galatians chapter 4 and says, the Spirit of Jesus is being sent into your heart crying, Abba, Father. It's not just that you're getting a helper who's going to help you have your best life now. In fact, you might not. He may, in fact, call you into your worst life now because it matters for your best life then. So important that's not to say that he won't bless your life now. But it's pretty clear in scripture that every single human who is following Jesus will suffer. In this world, you will have trouble. Super important. Because what's happening here is an orphanage meets needs, right? And a lot of them do a great job. But there is a difference... Between meeting someone's needs and inviting them into your family. Yeah? So critical that we understand that because there is no substitute for family, there's no substitute for a loving father and a loving mother providing for their kids. You see the picture that Paul is building. And some of you have lost your mom or you've lost your dad. And it's a hole that doesn't get easily filled. Why? There's nobody like family. Some of you have had a really poor earthly view of a father or a mother. And I mourn that with you. But I want you to know that there is a Father who loves you perfectly and unconditionally and is inviting you into His family. Because you're either born into a family or you're chosen to be in a family. It means so much to me because of what we've walked through with our own family. And I don't always share this stuff, but I feel like if there's ever a passage in Scripture, it's this one, right? Because it's tangible. It's tangible. To meet somebody on paper, Kim and I, we, we went through our, like, if you don't know our story, this big man right here, he's terrified right now that I'm going to do something insane. <laughs> but he spent the first five years of his life not with us. And can you imagine being in an orphanage in Ethiopia and seeing this thing come walking at you? I'll never forget the first time I said hi to you. He looked at, he went, and he went, <laughs> he just started laughing at me. You know? He's like, who who is this? Who is this joker? Right? Thankfully she was there. But... How many of you know that six years ago, standing in that orphanage in the middle of Ethiopia, locking eyes with him, we had no idea what that would look like? Why? Because we weren't family yet. How many of you know that over the next two months of that process of traveling back and forth to Ethiopia and standing before an Ethiopian court and they said, Malachi is now your son? legally he was my son how many of you know he wasn't my son yet we had no relationship there was no love right six years later he's my son we share the love of coffee praise God (laughs) he's from Ethiopia it just makes sense And we could just, we'd go on and on and on. We're also at the point now where we can, we can really frustrate each other. Can I get an amen in church? He's like, I'm not saying amen. <laughs> right? Because we're, we're family. He has a mom. How many of you know they don't come to dad when they get hurt? <laughs> I'm like, suck it up. Now my five-year-old girl, she comes to dad because mom won't give her any, 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 any empathy. But Right? Like, there's a difference when I stood before that court in Ethiopia than there is now. Why? Because adoption is a beautiful picture of what Jesus does for you. When when Revelation says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, if you will open, and I will come in, and I will dine with you, and I will be with you. Like, what's, what's Jesus asking for? Relationship. Relationship. No longer slaves to the things of this world, but set free as sons and daughters of God. Think about that. God, as He hung on that cross, and He said those final words, it is finished. In His divine power, was able to look at you and choose you. That's what was happening. Yes, he was legally satisfying the demand, but he was looking at you and choosing you. Though you brought nothing to the table, he was choosing you. The most precious thing, if you want to write this down in your life, is adoption. Whether you have walked through that process on earth or not, the most precious thing in your life is adoption. It's family. If I had any vision for the family of this church. It's that you would find a place. Of unconditional love. That there would be nothing. That you would ever walk through. That you couldn't step into the presence of these people. And find love. Love. That's the most important and the most precious thing of your life, colliding into a beautiful thing called God's family. Let's try to bring this fully home. Once you have a family, a place of unconditional love, a place of acceptance, verse 3 to 5 points out that we are slaves to the elementary principles of this world. What does that mean? What does it mean to be slaves to the elementary principles of this world? Listen, powers of evil prevail in this world. And if you cannot see that in your own life or around the world, you are hiding under a rock that I would love to come join you under. E- even in our closest relationships, right? Why, why is the cliche that you treat the ones closest to you the worst? Why is that cliche? Why do, why do they see the worst of you? Because all the masks are down, all the things are down. You're just getting the raw you, and Jesus is inviting you, that you, to be in his family. But the the power of evil does prevail and dominate the lives of sinful human beings, and that is reality. So we are brokenhearted over what we see in Russia, but we are not surprised by what we see in Russia. We're brokenhearted by some of the things we see around our own country, we're not surprised by that. Right? That's why we talk about uh, seeing and drawing near to the broken, but at the same time celebrating what's good. Because we hold in tension these two things that are happening in the world, so evil is there and it is real. Let's go even further. Even the law of God, if you were to just simply grab the Bible and read it, you would be like... Right? Because Jesus says things like, be perfect because I'm perfect. How's that going? Horribly wrong. Right? Even the, even the simple things that he says to us, like, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Like, you have to feel the weight of that and, and how, fall, how short you fall of that every day. I joke with you frequently I'm a professional Christian. Okay, I, you pay me to do this. And I'm still not good at it. Like, even the law of God creates this enslaving atmosphere. But the beauty is that He doesn't leave us there. Right? That He sends His Son into your heart crying, Abba, Father, because when you have nowhere else to look, you look where? Up. And that is the point. Apart from Jesus, we see this on display all over the world. We see it in our own life. We're, we're not even here to point fingers at Putin or Kim Jong-un or the, the huge, obvious things. No, no, we could look right in the mirror and see the problem. We could look right in the mirror and see the problem. And so the global church enters into this season of Lent recognizing that all is not well. That we need these seasons to be reminded of what we long for. That Jesus will come again and He will make all things new and He will right every wrong and His kingdom will come. But until that day... We live in this reality, this brokenness that has light breaking through the cracks at every part, but it is not as it should be. But from all that slavery, whether it be to sin, whether it be physical, whether it be spiritual, whether it be mental, from all of that slavery... Jesus brings this good news that he's coming into your heart having made things right between you and God crying Abba Father and inviting you to be chosen and brought into his family for unconditional love. So critically important. Our justification, the legal act, and our adoption go hand in hand to bring the fullness of God's love to his kids. On a smaller level, right? We're talking about war and and these things. On a smaller level, think about it. Stability, not being a slave to the world, is ripped away from you in the easiest moments. It's one bad mood, one selfish choice, one bout with depression, one cutting word from a friend or coworker, one bad day at work from disappearing, right? It's one day waking up with levels of anxiety you haven't had before because you've never lived through the last two years like you have before. It can disappear in an instant. You might have walked in here today and it's not, you don't have it. So we look to, we have to look to something or someone else for satisfaction in this world. Pragmatically speaking. So, what is the call to action for adoption? Right? Like, that's beautiful, Pastor, but what does that have to do with Tuesday? What does it have to do with when I lose that loved one? Or what does it have to do with when I struggle with my sin? Or whatever it is, you fill in the blank, or when you look at Ukraine and you, you struggle through those things, what, what does it have to do with me now? I want to encourage you to do three things. Okay? And you can write these down if you want to do this as a practice this week. What's the call to action if I am slaves to the things of this world and Jesus has been sent into my heart crying, Abba, Father, and inviting me into this family where I can turn the corner and have unconditional love and acceptance. What, what, what do I do with that Like today? Let me give you three things. Number one, name the master. What is the thing that's mastering your life? What is the thing that you're a slave to? Is it a sin? Is it a person? Is it people-pleasing? As, as we say in, in Regen, which we'll be rebooting here soon, right? What is the hurt, habit, or hang-up that is standing in your way, that is standing in the way of the relationship that you have with Jesus? If you can't name it, you're going to continue to struggle with it. So many times we use these big areas of Christianity and we just never drill in and say, I struggle with depression. I struggle with alcohol. I struggle with people pleasing. And, and you can just name whatever it is. We have to drill in and get to the space where we name it. I struggle with lust. I struggle with greed. I struggle with... Name it. Anger. Name the master. Number two, turn away from it. Turn away from it. What does turn... Jesus would say stuff like, if your left eye offends you, rip it out. You're like, wow, really? That escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no, what? what's he saying? Like, rip your eyeball out and like hand it to your pastor? No. But he might be saying, it's time to go back to a flip phone. He might be saying it's time for somebody else in your life to hold you accountable and put software on your computer that only they have the password to, right? It may be that you need to meet weekly with somebody to pray and read the word with because you're struggling with your thoughts. Turning away from it means I'm going to stop focusing on that. I'm going to start focusing on something else and that something else is Jesus, but there are tangible steps for you to do that. There is no shortcut to a great relationship. It's called time. And so when I name that thing and then I turn away from that thing, I've got to put something over here for me to stare at. And it's Jesus. It's his word. It's his people. It's his music. It's his artwork. It's, it's his creation. It's everything that brings the life and beauty of the gospel into your life. It's not enough for me to just say I'm a person who's depressed. No, you're not. You're a child of God, a son or daughter of the Most High. And He did not create you for that and destine you for that. The sin and world is broken, but you can name that and you can turn from it and seek Him. Whatever that is, some of them require a lot more than others. If you're addicted to any substance, it's going to require something of you. Long, lifetime work with the people of God. And we could go on and on. I don't mean to do that. But the last thing. So name the master. Turn from it to Jesus. And then the third thing is to rest. To rest in His Spirit. Because one of the things that happens when you're a slave to anything is it will wear you out. Name it, turn from it, and rest. Rest in Jesus. Rest in His Spirit. Don't you love that phrase that He sends the Spirit of His Son into our hearts crying what? Abba, Father. I get that picture of a little kid running into the arms of their dad and just being swallowed up. Right? That's what that picture is. Somebody today needs to run back into the arms of the Father. Maybe you're sitting here today, maybe you're watching online, maybe you'll hear this later. But I don't believe in accidents, I believe in divine encounters. And I just want you to know that if you walked in this place, in any enslaved to anything in the world... That today is the day that you can name that, turn from that, and rest in the arms of your Father. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? The band's going to come back up and play, but I do think that it's important for those of us who are human, right? This is a human thing. To recognize as the creature creator confession says that he is God and we are not. And just to recognize that we need his help. And so I want to encourage every single person in here to name that thing. I've been alive long enough to know that every week that we walk into this place, there's a thing that we could name. A thing that we struggle with. A thing that we wrestle with. That we need to name and turn to Jesus from.